Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 201 of Geek Town Radio. We're back this week and I have with me Matt. How are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. You've recovered good. from uh, last week's quiz and uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> 200th episode. It was fun, that. I enjoyed yeah, that episode. It, it was really fun. I did really enjoy that. So uh, what have you been up to the last week? I started what I'm going to call a custom FIFA season. I did this on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Oh, and what cool. I mean by that is go into a career mode. You select one team in, in either the Premier League or, the, or uh, the Spanish League or whatever team you want out of the teams available in the game. Uh, and you can sort of do this thing where you can swap teams out of leagues oh right okay and you can pick any team that's on the game and swap them out with anybody what I basically did was get like all of the really small teams from the Premier League so like Huddersfield Burnley Bournemouth (laughs) some of those other little ones and take them out and put in like Barcelona Real Madrid and like Celtic Rangers Uh, and I still wanted to keep like slightly bigger teams like West Ham Tottenham Stoke some of those other slightly bigger ones the ones that are more recognisable as like you know not quite Chelsea Liverpool levels of, yeah. of good but like they're still pretty good Premier League teams so I sort of kept a lot of those in and then put a lot of like Spanish teams and stuff and like I said some of the Scottish teams and the German teams and all those and then I tried to set, set it up a couple of times because I kept thinking like, oh I've forgotten to put this team in and that and if you don't put them in, you can never like move them unless you start a new thing. But I right, think I've yeah. got basically everybody who I wanted. So we've now got Premier League games, which is like Barcelona and Man United and <laughs> um, <laughs> games where, because obviously all the computer teams all play each other and you don't have any control over those, yeah, but that's yeah. all like they're competing off screen. You never see those matches. So you've got like Stoke and Real Madrid as a Premier League game uh, and all those sorts of things. It's just quite a fun, different thing to do. I knew I could do it because I've seen the swap team option before, but I thought I'd just make it a, a custom league. Uh, and I'm like near the start of the, the because uh, I simmed the whole season because I wanted to see who would get promoted and relegate, re- yeah, relegated yeah. for the first season. Uh, and now I started the second one and I'm uh, doing that as well. Uh, you can also accept a uh, international management job and I took Portugal. So uh, that should be pretty fun as well. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'm going to try and go for like everything and win. Because you, if you're in the Premier League, you can win what's called, it's called the Carabaro Cup or something, but it's usually known as the Carlin Cup. You can win the FA Cup, the Champions League and the Premier League. And I'll right, see which yeah. ones of those I can win. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing the amount of customization they've got into FIFA at this point. I mean, I, it's been around for so long, that FIFA game. 
but yeah. uh, and they're sort of tiny little in- incremental improvements over the last sort of few years but uh, yeah it's, I, I play FIFA a little bit and I'll have stages where I go through it but it's not something that I've played an awful lot I think I've got this year's or last year's I think I can't remember but uh, yeah mm-hmm. I have got one of them I played it a little bit I'm just I'm not a big football fan anyway so you know but uh, yeah I need to go and play around with it a bit more the other good thing is you can manage obviously the transfers so if you as a fan of whatever team you support if you think oh I wish we got rid of these three players and I wish these three players would play for our team you can just go in and do that yeah, obviously yeah. providing you've got enough money so it's quite fun to go and do that as well mm. uh, getting rid of the uh, dead wood as some people would, <laughs> would call it for the team yes. uh, some of the more useless players some move controllers uh, so I basically bought some on Thursday they haven't been shipped yet I don't think because a good Friday and Easter Monday and Sunday and all that sort of stuff these, these for the for the PSVR aren't they yeah, yeah. But to, so that you're able to have essentially two in-game hands yeah. uh, instead of instead of one so you can interact with, with more stuff uh, and there's certain games that definitely like require it more things like Beat Saber you couldn't play with one yes means you can uh, play Beat Saber now so, yeah yeah. so that should be fun well well um, worth getting but yeah I've added a couple of games to my like rental list like uh, the Rick and Morty virtual reality thing oh um, yeah that actually Not requires two yet. move things so uh, that, Super yeah. Hot VR that requires two uh, and obviously Beat Saber I can go in and try as well so I'm looking yeah. forward to all that No Good Nick it's uh, Melissa Joan Hart's new uh, Netflix series she's done well she's probably most recognisable for obviously Sabrina Teenage Sabrina, Witch yeah. which Netflix has now got their own Sabrina she did a sitcom very similar to No Good Nick which was simply called Melissa and Joey right, uh, yeah, where yeah. she played as Melissa and it was kind of the same thing where it was like the, the family stuff and all that uh, like the family sort of sitcom sort of thing Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of similar but the twist is this 14 year old girl called Nick she is basically set up to be kind of like a con artist or a thief um, and she's got to go into I'll just say she's got to go into uh, Melissa's character's house and try to steal from that family but she's got to work her way in there so that she like says that her her dad has died and she's basically yeah, turns she up gets with, taken um, in yeah yeah she turns up with loads of papers and they like they don't know why she's there and they have to sort of take her in plus you've got uh, I think his name is Sean Aston. he did he yes. played I think Sam and he was in Stranger Things and yeah. some of those other stuff he plays as the dad of the family and uh, he's more on the side of like hey if, we, if we've got to take this girl in she's got no family and we've got a perfectly good house and family like we'll take her in we'll, we'll try and look after her uh, give her the best that we can all that kind of stuff um, so they get like wormed into sort of taking her in the family and then she's got to try and find a way of like stealing from this family while trying to live with them as if nothing's happening right yeah uh, and the interesting difference to me was like where we've seen these sorts of things before is like with Heisenberg with, with Walter White who is like what a 55 ish year old man or whatever yeah this is this can kind of completely flips it on the head because not only is the I guess the gender different the age is completely different this is a 14 year old girl that's supposed to be like you know in school and learning and making friends and that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. and she's trying to do all this con artist stuff it's uh, it's very very interesting quite sure it's got see the 8 or 10 episodes I think it's 10 um, but that's quite good as well um, the, the interesting thing is is uh, Melissa and Sean's characters they're not really the main protagonists because most of the scenes is to do with Nick and yeah, how yeah. she's trying to get out of different situations and all that sort of thing so mm-hmm. that's quite interesting Walker Stalker 2019 I meant to talk about it last week but just forgot to went on the 31st of March which was the Sunday met uh, quite a few people there quite a few of the of the actors and stuff there was also the Game of Thrones people they had Podor Bronn uh, the Night King they had uh, Tilly uh, Sam and uh, I think there was one other person 
can't remember. I think that was all the yeah. uh, all, all the Game of Thrones people. Um, the first actual person I met was uh, Hodor, the guy, the guy that plays him. Yeah, uh, he, he was quite nice as well. Most of the people I met was quite nice, and as you know, there was the one person that I, I didn't <laughs> get along with quite so well. I won't say their name here, obviously, uh, and I didn't say their name in in the podcast. But yeah, uh, yeah that was interesting as well. Um, but it, it's interesting because the three kind of the some of the three uh, nicest people that I met were actually three of the, the villains. So David Morrissey plays the governor. He was like really nice, clearly very professional, uh, but not like too professional in a way where he wasn't relaxed. Yeah. You could tell he was relaxed and he wanted to talk and all that kind of stuff. He's also a bit taller than I expected, uh, but he was really nice. Obviously played the governor, so a villainous sort of character. Richard, the guy who plays the Night King, again, really, really nice as well. And uh, Nikki Rapp, who voices Lily in the Telltale oh, in the yes. video game. Yeah, she yeah. was really nice as well. So your villains aren't always the, the nastier people. No, no. So uh, yeah, that was fun to do we as well. Interviewed David Morrissey. He's a really, really lovely guy. There's a, a video of that up on our YouTube feed if you want to go and have a look at that. But uh, yeah, no, he's, he's really, really nice. It's funny as well, because as you go through and you look at like the boosts for different people, some of them, like obviously they're more popular than, than the others and they get to a point where their crowd's so big that you can't see the actor. Yeah. Uh, wasn't a problem for Ryan Hurst because he was taller than everybody <laughs> there. Basically. And then you, you go on the other side because for some reason they're, they're two rows of celebrities and then they had this like little section over the other side with some of the others and uh, Kaylee Fleming who plays the, the grown up version of Judith she's really small so <laughs> uh, that, that was quite fun as well. There was actually this point where um, there, there happened to be a lot of little guys kind of dressed up as Rick and then little girls dressed up as, as Judith Yeah, and this little girl was walking past I thought oh it's just another girl I'm looking to see where, where these people are and then I turn around again and then I realise that, that uh, Kaylee's is like walking right past me she was with some sort of <laughs> security guards or something yeah, going yeah. off somewhere I was like, oh, it's just another one of the, the girls that are dressed up as Judith. But no, it was Judith right in front of me. <laughs> just strolled on past me. Not like in the way of ignoring me. She had, she had somewhere no, to no, go. No, no, no. She, no, she was, like, was on the way somewhere. Yes, it is yeah, weird when yeah. that happens and people just kind of walk past. It's like, um, because I, I do press at Comic Con, you kind of, you know, you'll go and use the, the bathroom up in the press rooms and it's like you'll bump into a Doctor Who. or <laughs> <laughs> like It's like the actual actor, you know. It's, uh, yeah. it's very strange. You, know, you bump into Sylvester McCoy in the toilets and, and stuff like that it, it's yes it's it can be very weird where you and you you'll meet them as they're getting getting ferried from their desks and and coming around and stuff yeah you'll mm. bump into people so uh, yeah no it's very cool it's mm-hmm. uh but i'm very much looking forward to uh mcm comic con in london which is uh later on next month 24th to 26th in london mm-hmm. so i'm very um, much looking forward to that cool but if you want to hear like a bit more about the walker stalker thing i did a um a whole podcast on it so yeah there's that as well and then last thing last of us the last of us part two or last of us two my most anticipated game at the moment finished filming over the last kind of week or so what that basically means is they they finished doing all the mocap stuff that they needed to do yes um it doesn't mean the game's like ready to ship because they've obviously still got a bunch of stuff to do yeah um neil Druckmann, the game's director tweeted out and he's like yeah we did like this really ambitious final shot and they had ashley johnson the, yes. the woman that voices uh, ellie and then it's either nolan or troy one of the two it's Troy. Uh, yeah. Troy, yeah. Uh, who voices Joel. They were kind of standing together in their like yeah. mocap suits with all the dots on their faces saying that they'd wrapped it up. So um, there was these people online saying that last, when they did that for the first one, the game came out like six to 12 months later. Yeah. That, um, I that don't know if that would be exactly right. the same thing because they might have more to do or, or something like that. But uh, yeah. it shows there's being progress made. So that's yeah, really they're, they're obviously, I mean, they're working on the game as, as we speak, obviously, and yeah. have been for years, but they've got to also kind of, 
you know now merge all the mocap stuff into the characters and and all that kind of thing so uh yeah i mean six to twelve months sounds about right hopefully that means that we should get it by next christmas we should have it i would think yeah there's no particular rush for playstation either because they're still dominating xbox and microsoft with the sales and they don't they don't need to i mean days gone's out like on friday so it's another exclusive for them Uh, and then they got a bunch of vr games out this year so because a lot of people are talking about like the big three games of Sony, Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, and uh, Death Stranding. And I, I do think those games are probably next year, if not the year after. So, yeah. Uh, but there's no rush for either of the, of the three of them. So No. Um, I'd, rather they get it, I'd, I'd rather they get it right than rush it out. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, for me, there's not really been much in the way of new TV for me this week basically because I've still been going through Game of Thrones but literally five minutes before we came on to recording I finished season seven so I am now completely up to date on uh, I mean obviously I'd seen them all already but I was I was on an epic run through Game of Thrones to uh, re-watch everything and I was trying to do it before it came back but I didn't manage it so uh, I'm only a week behind came came pretty close so I've just finished watching season seven Uh, it's a really interesting experience watching it all through as one thing and uh, I would advise you once maybe once season eight's finished it's good to go back to the start there is so much stuff you pick up that you realize is referenced much later on there are points where you forget that characters had turned up earlier than you thought they had and uh, you know characters were in far more episodes than you thought they were and uh, there's lots of things that I'd just forgotten over the kind of run of it so it's really interesting going back and watching it all over again I think out of all seven seasons so far six is probably the strongest I'd say six and seven yeah Yeah, six I, I think six is probably the strongest seven has some good moments in it but it's interesting seven if you were looking at this as a massive like movie the season seven really is a lot of setup for season eight pretty much mm. and uh season six was the last sort of full season as well and it's really strong i mean you've you've got the uh the battle of the bastards there's all sorts of huge elements in that season that you kind of forget about so yeah i mean i think that was probably my strongest season interestingly five the season before it's probably the weakest yeah um, i think a lot of people was that with the sand sand snake stuff yes there's a lot of stuff in dawn it's a lot of stuff in dawn it's a lot of stuff with aria in uh um, where is it bravos uh with the faceless men and and that sort of thing so there's a it's an awful lot of character development and not quite so much accent he does have hard home in that in that season which is mm-hmm. a brilliant brilliant episode uh but i think as i mentioned before there was a list going around before season eight started of you know if you want to catch up but don't have time these are the key episodes you should watch and there is one episode in season five which is hard home <laughs> and the rest of them are like yeah no you don't need to watch any of the rest of these so so uh, well, was that the awkward season where they realized george weren't wasn't going to be able to progress with the books and they like had to um i can't remember whether it's season five or season six i think season five was probably the last season of the and then season six was when they got past the book although they Mm. are still using elements of the book they're actually using bits of the winds of winter in the final season as well even though he hasn't finished the book 
tis the winter winter i think the next book but uh, yeah it's, he, he hasn't actually finished the last book but they are using bits out of it because george has given them the manuscript so they know what's coming on the book mm. side apparently yeah. Um, my favourite thing, though, this week was uh, somebody had started a GoFundMe page to get Brandon ramps to get him out of that courtyard. Because <laughs> they built him a wheelchair. Nobody ever sees pushing him anywhere in the wheelchair, and you don't see him moving himself. They cut to a shot with Bran sat in his wheelchair, and, like, he's out by the tree, sat in his wheelchair. He's in the courtyard, sat in his wheelchair. You never see him move in it, though. I don't know whether it's because maybe the prop doesn't work. I don't know what it is, but you never see him being wheeled anywhere. It's really strange. Either that or it's jet-powered or something, and they don't want to show that on screen. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. You see Bran sort of in these random locations, sat in his wheelchair, but you never see him moved there. You never see him move around in it. You never see them kind of, you know, him pushing himself along while he's talking to somebody just nothing he's always sat in one place in his wheelchair that's it it's really strange and the moment you start noticing it it becomes odder you know it's kind of it's like why doesn't he ever move um so yes it's funny but yeah i thought the fact that somebody set up a See, now that will be in my head for the last five yeah, episodes, i know but- <laughs> i know sorry about that but yes yeah. it will be uh but yeah i thought it was funny somebody set up a gofundme page to get brand a ramp so there was that and the other thing was the finale of uh, star trek discovery which I, yeah. I thought was really interesting and sets things up for a very intriguing new season because given where it ends things i probably don't want to spoil where it ends stuff but uh yes they they Looks like they're going to be playing around with time quite a lot in the next season, which could be kind of interesting. Yeah, I um, mean, it's it sort of ends the, it ends the show almost setting it up like you could ignore Discovery and just go off on a like Enterprise new series of like Star Trek the original series, but with Pike at the helm, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite interesting the way they ended things and where they put specific characters. Because I remember on on my podcast on the penultimate episode, I said yeah. one of the thing one of the things to look out for like in a season finale is like okay. So so when you set your character, because you're not in a series finale, because when you do a season finale, you need to not only like kind of conclude the arc that you're in, depending on what you want to do with that specific arc. And then you have to set up like, OK, where are these characters going next? So one of the things I was kind of looking out for is like, OK, who's going to be on what ship and where and why? Because there was the whole thing with Pike yeah. going back to the Enterprise and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's one of the things I was kind of looking out for. But uh, I, I think they ended things very, very interestingly. And like like you said, they did kind of set it up very interestingly for, for season three. But yeah. I, I really quite liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, because so. I, I thought it was interesting that they started the show exploring this bit of sort of Star Trek history that has never really been explored before. But there's always been a slight problem with Discovery in that the spore drive that that ship uses is an incredibly powerful weapon, potentially, mm. and it's never been used moving forward. It was sort of a unique ship, and but nothing else has ever had a spore drive in the whole of Star Trek history. So it was always a bit of an oddity given that it's set before everything else and and they've managed to find a way of sort of explaining that and getting out of it which i thought was was quite interesting and the fact that discovery and the fact that spock had a system was was never mentioned at all anywhere to anyone and they sort of managed to explain all that and also makes for a very interesting setup for season three because they've taken all the shackles off discovery now it can pretty much do whatever it wants because wherever discovery ends up i mean it was a really interesting way of 
of finishing that show because Discovery kind of goes off in one direction and kind of that's it. You don't see what's next. You don't see what's, you know, it, it goes, it leaves, and then you end the series on the Enterprise, which I just thought was quite interesting. It's almost set up to sort of dovetail that into the original TV show, even though, you know, Pike wasn't captain in the original. Well, he was for the first episode, but let's don't get into that. You're uh, <laughs> uh, also the pilot, but yes. It's sort of very interesting how they ended it. But I thought it was brilliant this season. I thought it was it was really well done and really well put together. If you've not started watching Discovery yet, go and watch it. It's a superb sci-fi series, regardless of whether you like Star Trek or not. It, it in itself, I think, is a really good sci-fi series. So well worth going to watch. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> So we start the TV and film news this week with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. There's a a few uh, UK advanced air dates and pickups that I thought were quite interesting. My5 has picked up The Oath. Uh, My5 is Channel 5's (laughs) streaming service, basically. And unfortunately, it's run by Channel 5, which is never a good thing. But... Uh, mm. The Oath is a gang drama. It stars uh, the most notable names in it are probably Sean Bean and Katrina Law. Place your bets on whether Sean Bean gets out of the first season of life. <laughs> uh, it has been running for two seasons, I think. And uh, yes, I, I'm not entirely sure whether Sean Bean doesn't makes it to the second season, but you can pretty much guarantee uh, prob- either, so. probably doesn't. Yeah, no. So they've picked up that and uh, they've also picked up a New Zealand drama called Bloom, which sounds quite interesting. It, it's set in New Zealand, picks up one year after a devastating flood kills five locals in an idyllic country town but a mysterious new plant appears with the power to restore their youth it's sort of an interesting kind of sci-fi edged small town drama which i i don't know sounds intriguing but it's called bloom that's coming reasonably soon to yeah, uh, my I, five i was quite surprised to see like my five picking up stuff because they channel five haven't picked up something in a very long time no. um and they basically turned into their own sort of self-produced uh yeah. reality channel in yeah, a way yeah, which yeah. if you like that stuff that's great for you because they got plenty of it but it's been a long time since I've seen like Channel 5 picks up something so yeah. uh, that was strange to see I mean this is this is kind of interesting news they seem to be pushing the really interesting dramas out onto the streaming service which is bizarre but that's what they're doing yeah they have been a problem with 5 kind of picking up one season of a drama and then dropping it and you know so it's difficult which makes it very difficult to be overly positive about them and I mean I have to say getting getting the press releases from Channel 5 can be a really depressing experience when it's like uh, you know greatest killer bees or you know the the, the, the show's like some ridiculous these little reality thing yeah, that, that these, yeah these sort of world's ugliest child and, and you know the, whatever the kind of weird reality show is that they put up and you're reading through it thinking God it's just you know pick up something decent for heaven's sake but uh, they now seem to have done that and they're trying to push them out and push the streaming service as a sort of place for original or for for bought in drama and and rather than it just being a catch-up service they're pushing it as a streaming service as well so uh, yeah uh, that could be interesting but uh, yeah that's the oath and bloom are the two that are going to be on there and uh, they're available to everybody as well which is the important thing you know my five is free streaming service so yeah that's good news over on Sky Atlantic they've picked up Bid Little Lies that's uh, season 2 of that and it's going to be simulcasting with the US so uh, 2am on the 10th of June for that and then it will be repeated at 9pm for those of you that either don't 
uh, want to record it or don't want to stay up late to watch it. Have you seen any of that? I haven't. No, it's one that I need to go and sit and watch because everybody tells me it's great, but I haven't I've, seen it. I've seen it, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I, I can't believe how much I enjoyed the first season. And given the way that they obviously end the first season and uh, go into the second one, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do and where they take it because there's a lot of different directions they could go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that should be really I mean, fun. It, it was always planned as a limited series. It was supposed to be a one-season show and then became oh. such a massive hit that they decided to make another one but it was always billed as a limited series originally because I think it was actually entered into a, some of the categories as limited series for some of the awards and then they made oh. a second season so but yes 10th of June for that 2am and 9pm The Boys which is this sort of anti-superhero drama based on, based on a Garth Ennis comic it's from uh, the guys behind Preacher Evan Goldberg and uh, what's his face uh, Seth, Seth Rogen Seth Rogen yeah. and Eric Kripke who's the guy behind Supernatural the original creator of Supernatural uh, it's the three of those together so I'm very very much looking forward to this I love the comic book and it seems that they are sticking somewhat to the uh, comic book ideal of it being this group of guys that are there to take out these superheroes who are basically kind of rock star gods but are complete douchebags really don't care about collateral damage think they can get away with anything because they're incredibly powerful and the boys are a group that are, are funded by the CAA that are, are not really super powered but they're, they're there to stop them and put them back in their boxes is essentially the, the point behind it it looks fabulous there is a trailer which is up on the website now it's called The Boys Friday the 26th of July that is arriving on Amazon Prime it looks so, brilliant that's a good date for that as well it's like there's, yeah, there's, not, there's not, not much a lot that else happens in the summer yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah I think um, that's going to be brilliant yeah I saw the first trailer or one of the trailers a, a few months ago or, or a few weeks ago or whatever mm. um, and I was very very interested because I remember when you and I think you and Bex spoke about it the first couple of times you, you mentioned it um, and then there was a trailer that came out because I remember the, the way you described it was quite interesting and then the trailer came out and you know matched up with everything that you said yeah and um, uh, but yeah it looks like sort of superhero-esque but with its own kind of spin on it yeah. Which, which looks interesting. So. Yeah, it's it's basically superheroes, but where the superheroes are essentially the baddies in it, which mm-hmm. I think is an interesting idea. And it's it's not a, a show for children. It's very <laughs> much an 18 rated show. So, you know, as was Preacher. And if you know any of the uh, the sort of Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg stuff, it's very much got similar sensibilities to something like Preacher as well. So mm-hmm. um, well, well worth going to watch. I think that's going to be really interesting. Gotham, we haven't got a air date yet but i'm i'm hearing rumors it's likely to drop in early may in the uk so it, it basically it's going to start running over here once it's finished running in the us that sounds to me why they've decided to do it that way i don't know but that's what mm. they're doing so there's no oh yeah there was gaps this time weren't there Which yeah there strange. were some yeah, yeah it was only like 12 episodes but they made a gap in there they, for some reason yeah they did space it out quite a lot because it's it literally only just finishing in the us so yeah. it's been spaced out an awful lot and i think that is probably why they left it because there were so many huge gaps in the run so early may it looks like it's going to land but uh, that's not officially confirmed yet but that looks like it's when it's going to land on a four yeah so because um, i was watching uh brooklyn 99 last night there because the record the, yeah the they've started trailing of, it uh, as coming soon Evil, haven't yeah, they? and they had gotham coming soon yeah. so um <laughs> now we've come to cancellations we, mm. we are heading into that season where everything <laughs> gets cancelled and renewed um so fox has cancelled the gifted and uh sitcom called Rel, which we won't really talk about because it was 
never really aired over here, but uh, The Gifted. I mean, I'm kind of sorry to see The Gifted go, but I'm not particularly surprised. I thought this, was it the second season or the third season? It just Third, aired. I think. Third, I think it, yeah, it just Yeah, I, I was really quite disappointed with it. I remember on, mm. I think on one of the Geek Towns on a TV talk I did with um, Bex or something, uh, I talked about it. And yeah, it just, as we got to like episode five and six and seven and like the middle part of the season, it just really started to sort of dip. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that it got mm. cancelled. Plus it well, seems like, cause this makes me wonder about Cloak and Dagger as well, because they cancelled uh, Marvel Netflix stuff, all that stuff got cancelled and it will presumably move in the two-year call-off period thing. Well, maybe it'll move to, to somewhere else and then they're getting rid of The Gifted, which is more associated with Fox and so maybe they'll, I don't know. It, it seems like they with the extra TV stuff that they're sort of getting rid of that and focusing more on like the Disney Plus stuff, which has got your Loki and Vision and all those sorts of characters. So it feels to me a little bit like that's what Disney's maybe doing or well, that's kind of what's, what's happening. There is, there is a difference, I think. Cloak and Dagger is a freeform show anyway. Yeah. And I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is, is of course an a- ABC show both of those are Disney owned so I think they're probably fine Agents yeah, of but- S.H.I.E.L.D. if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ends it will end because they've decided to end it not for any reason to do with the Fox deal or anything like that it, I mean it's run for what seven seasons or something so I mean if that does if they decided to bring that to an end they, I think it will because they've decided that it's come to a natural conclusion Cloak and Dagger's I think perfectly safe where it is I, again if, if that ends I think it would be more to do with numbers. The difficult thing with The Gifted was, apart from the fact that A, it was a Fox show, it was co-owned by by Fox and Disney, it's now entirely a Disney show, but was still going to, if they brought it back for a new season, would have run on Fox in the US. The problem with that is its numbers were getting worse and that's now way more important to Fox because of the fact that they're not getting anything else from the back end of it because they don't, now don't own any part of the show. It's yeah. literally a bought in from Disney. So um, there's that, which is the one problem. The other problem is on Disney's side, I think it's a tough proposition because it deals with mutants. And Disney will have big plans for the mutants as part of the MCU. And do you really want a rogue kind of mutant show just still wandering around in the ether. Do you, do you still need that yeah. that sort of separate thing which is just going to muddy the waters when you're trying to create this sort of big cohesive universe? And then you've got this thing, this the gifted, which is this thing which has kind of got mutants in it but isn't really connected to anything. I, that, that I think is going to be a problem anyway for, on the Disney side of things. And I sort of get it from Fox's point of view. It's a bought-in show. If it's not making the numbers, they're going to have to cancel it. Yeah. I mean, you know, so and like you say, I think it was quality was slipping a bit as well so uh, so yeah I'm I mean I am a little bit sorry to you know it's always sad to see shows go particularly when they're popular but I think it wasn't unexpected and I'm, I'm quite excited to see what Disney now do with all the mutant characters because yeah, I think it's going to be far more interesting with them having them sort of tied into the MCU over on British channels, Dave has cancelled Zapped after three seasons, which I have to admit isn't a show I really watched. I think I saw one episode of it and it was sort of a funny time travel thing about a guy who was an office worker that ended up back in a sort of medieval or sort of fantasy medieval kind of village setting with kind of wizards and warlocks and stuff. Um, yeah. It did really well for three seasons. It was it was some of the guys from the in-betweeners, I think. Yeah, were. James Buckley, I think. Yeah, James uh... Buckley was the lead, I think. Yeah, I mean... It, 
it, it seems to have been kind of fun for three seasons, but they've now decided they're not going to make any more of it. I remember seeing it pop up on some TV list somewhere and found out it was already in like season two. And I thought, why do I not know about this? Yeah, this it's sort of, it very so, much f- flew under sort of the radar. If you would have got one of the in-betweeners guys and given the success of the in-betweeners, you'd kind of try and shout about it. But yeah. I just didn't I, really see anything about it. So Yeah, we did mention it a few times, but it, it's never really kind of captured the imagination as much as I think mm. they possibly wanted it to. Fewer renewals, we've got Manifest, which hasn't aired over here yet, but the fact that they've renewed it for a second season is a good sign because it was a bit up in the air about whether they get renewed or not because uh, its numbers haven't been that strong. But critically, it seems to have gone down quite well. This is the thing about uh, an aeroplane which seemingly goes missing and then sort of an hour goes by on the plane for the passengers and yeah. they sort of land as assuming the flight's landed normally, but it turns out it's like five years later or something. So it yeah. um, looks kind of interesting that, and there's a lot of people been asking about, well, when's that going to air over here? And uh, it hasn't been picked up by anybody, but I think the fact that it's now got a second season, hopefully will lead somebody to actually take it now. Blue Blood's been picked up for a 10th season, which is the um, world's greatest acting moustache, which is attached to the face of Tom Selleck. That is back for its 10th season. And uh, Good Girls has been renewed for third season, which I know you'll be very happy about. Yeah, I loved the first season. Of course, we haven't got the second season over here yet. I'm assuming they'll do the same thing, which is the box set drop. I I think they will. Uh, But the second season is still currently running. I think it's on its 10th episode, roughly. Uh, So within the next month or so, we, we shall see. Yeah. Um, but I'd heard this was like on the bubble and then I thought like, how is a show this good kind of on the bubble? But those things happen and then they renewed it. So that was yeah. really good. It's good that they've renewed it before the season's like actually finished as well. Plus over here, because we haven't even seen the second season yet, we know that there's like two sort of in the books yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, obviously I saw the uh, second season trailer and it looks like it's kind of turned into like a female Breaking Bad in a way, which sounds amazing to me. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Good. really, really enjoyed that. That's on Netflix if you want to see that. Yes, yeah. I, I watched the first couple of episodes, I think, and uh, it slipped away from me and I need to go back and watch the rest of it because I did really enjoy it. It was a great show. So uh, I, it's one of those things that add to my list of things that I need to go back and catch up on. <laughs> I also have a few dates for you as well. As you know, we have uh, we talk about a thing called the annual TV bloodbath and upfronts, uh, which if you're new to the podcast, we talk about this every year and uh, we do a lot of posts on the website around this time of year. That is when all the TV shows on the main US networks get cancelled and renewed we're about to head into may which is when a lot of the upfronts there's been a few upfronts already actually but uh most of the main network ones are coming in may dates for your diaries though if you're waiting to find out whether a show is going to be renewed or cancelled 10th of may is probably going to be the traditional bloodbath day which is you tend to get this flurry of like cancellations as as that sort of upfront deadline arrives because most of the um, upfronts for the main networks are happening the week of the 13th of May. So NBC and Fox are on the Monday the 13th, uh, ABC on Tuesday, WB and uh, Time Warner and uh, CBS have one on Wednesday and CW has one on Thursday. So that's Thursday the 16th of May. So most of the main networks have them across that week, which will mean that all their shows will really they will have announced cancellations and renewals by the 10th of may early may through to the 10th you're going to see a lot of cancellations and hopefully a reasonable amount of renewals as well yeah. um so be prepared that uh, there is a lot of uh 
heartbreak probably coming in the next few weeks in, if you're an avid TV watcher. Hulu have also got an upfront coming on the 1st of May and uh, YouTube got one coming on the 2nd of May as well. So that will be when they announce new shows and things that they've picked up that have been piloted and all that sort of stuff. Is there anything in particular you're waiting for to get renewed? A lot of the stuff not, I watch has been renewed already. Yeah, so. a, lot, a lot of the stuff I watch. I mean, like CW have kind of pretty much renowned for right, doing yeah. everything. So uh, that's all been, been renewed. Uh, it sounds like we are getting a Batwoman series, although they haven't officially confirmed that yet, but uh, they should either confirm that by the May 16th or before then, because it yeah. sounds like that's definitely coming. And uh, there are a few other interesting ones in the CW, like the Lost Boys series and... Uh, there's a couple of other things as well so not so much things waiting for a new but there's there's shows that are out there that we've talked about and pilots and stuff that it's going to be kind of interesting to see what get picked up and and what doesn't uh, Mm -hmm. because there's usually a bit of a surprise in some of those so uh, yeah but keep an eye on the website over the next few weeks because it's probably going to get quite frantic with renewals and cancellations and things the one I'm kind of I guess curious about is Whiskey Cavalier because that will determine whether or not Lauren comes back to uh, Walking Dead yeah there is that that's very much on the bubble by the sounds of it. I mean, there's a lot of people yeah. seem to be saying that that could very well get cancelled. It's it's very 50-50, so uh, we'll have to see. But yes, that's going to be an interesting one. And uh, again, the fact that it's not being picked up over here yet is an interesting sign. Mm. So uh, not necessarily a good one, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Moving on to other news, Pablo Shriver, who you will know from shows such as Orange is the New Black, where he played Pornstash and uh, American Gods, has been picked to play Master Chief in the Halo series, which is uh, Showtime are making at the moment. This is obviously based on the iconic Xbox franchise. AO will play Master Chief, the Earth's most advanced warrior in the 21st century, and the only hope of salvation for civilization pushed to the brink of destruction by the Covenant, an unstoppable alliance of alien worlds committed to the destruction of humanity. So yeah, I mean, uh, do you kind of excited for a Halo? I don't know whether you've played much Halo. Are you excited for a Halo series? I, I played, uh, I looked up the story for one and two i played three and four and then played about half of five because the consensus on five was like this is terrible (laughs) uh and it was basically a case of like okay just just wait for halo 6 to come out which will probably be a halo infinite i like the series it's it's pretty good i've never been like a sort of hardcore fan of the series um but the the good thing about five was the multiplayer was probably the best out of those games Uh, although three is uh, quite known for having good multiplayer, which I remember playing a lot of uh, at high school, <laughs> uh, the, the Halo 3 multiplayer, before everybody moved to Call of Duty. And that was the new cool thing yes. that everybody did. But um, yeah, I've, I've always kind of been saying, pretty much since The Witcher got announced for Netflix, that like, isn't it time to stop making video game films or movies because they just not are not working and then along comes uh, Sonic which is having a, a yeah. uh, live action of some kind made film but anyway uh, which is going to have Jim, Jim Carrey in it which I guess is good um, yeah but in terms of Halo I, I think it will make for a good TV series it's got that kind of you know galaxy sort of Star Wars sort of stuff in there where there's a lot of different stories you could probably tell uh, I do think that Pablo is a good choice he played did he play Nicky in um, The Wire season two I think he's a good choice for Master Chief. I think that, um, yeah, just telling a story like this, unlike The Witcher and some of these slightly longer games in a long form TV series is, is a very, very good idea. I think Showtime's a good network. I, I think if, you, if you're going to go for something like kind of high action, like a Witcher or like a Halo, you don't really want it on like a small network sort of, sort of place. No, no, uh, you so want somewhere it on... like a Showtime or Netflix or HBO or any of those sorts of bigger channels or streaming services is a good idea. So yeah, yeah I, I think this could be pretty good. I've heard they've had a little bit of problem with like 
showrunners, but they seem to have apparently found their feet a little bit and obviously they're doing casting now. So we'll see how things work out. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. He played Nicky in uh, in The Wire. Um, yeah. He's also popped up in like things like Weeds and uh, he was in the movie First Man, Skyscraper, Den of Thieves, plays Mad Sweeney in American Gods, which is brilliant as well. So he's done a lot of good stuff then and now yeah, he's going to yeah. jump into this. So. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people said Master Chief really shouldn't take his helmet off ever. So... Yeah, and now you'll know what it looks like. It it almost (laughs) doesn't matter whether he... I mean, if they stick to that, it almost doesn't matter what his face looks like. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting choice for it. And he's a great actor, so I'm quite happy to see it. I think you're entirely right. You need one of those big cable networks or one of the streaming services to do this because it was the only way, you know, it needs a lot of money throwing at it. And it was the only way it was ever going to work. Uh, high budget stuff so. yeah it's an interesting yeah. one for Showtime because I don't remember Showtime doing I could be wrong but I don't remember Showtime ever doing a big kind of sci-fi thing to this extent before not, not that I can think of either no. um, so uh, yeah the the uh, Kyle Killen and Steve Kane are the two showrunners Kyle Killen did Awake and Steve Kane did The Last Ship uh, so they're co-showrunners and exec producers on the on the series Amblin Entertainment are involved as well which is uh, Amblin Spielberg I think Spielberg company hmm. so yeah I mean it's kind of interesting there is a new character they're introducing joined by newcomer Yerin Ha who played Quan Ha uh, which is a new character within the Halo universe described as a shrewd audacious 16 year old from the outer colonies that meets Master Chief at a fateful time for both of them hmm. um, and uh, yeah she's a, a, a newcoming actor she's she basically she's Australian earned a Bachelor of Fine Art and acting of Australia's uh, National Institute of dramatic arts uh she's done a few different bits of stage work and uh, sort of been cast on reef break which is an australian series and uh was in the sydney theater company adaptation of lord of the flies but i mean really not been in many things at all so yeah kind of interesting obviously a young actor interesting role to get kind of straight out of the bat really but yeah uh, yeah i'm i'm pretty excited for this plus it'll obviously have microsoft's backing this is you know their biggest ip yeah yeah uh, so that would be pretty good as well. I'm, I'm excited for it. Begins filming in the autumn in uh, Hungary, uh, Budapest. So it will be at least next year, if not the year Probably, after, before yeah. we see it. More casting news. It's pretty much all casting news this week, actually. We've got uh, Harry Treadaway, Alison Pill and uh, Elsa Brynis joining Star Trek, the John Luke Picard series. Uh, they still haven't officially announced a name for this yet, so we're referring to it mainly as Star Trek Picard, but uh, okay. that may not be the title of it. Uh, it's, they're describing it as the John Luke Picard Star Trek series, which is a bit long-winded. Of course, we don't know much about the show because they've not really released any details. We know they've already started doing read-throughs and I don't know when they've actually started filming filming it yet but uh, they're supposed to be beginning filming any moment now so these are sort of new bits of casting we know the plot evolves around Picard captain of the Enterprise him much later in life mm-hmm. um, it's after the events of Nemesis and Spock disappearing in the uh, 2009 Star Trek movie so it's after all those events it's set in the prime universe it's got something to do with the destruction of Romulus or the fact that destru- yeah, Romulus was destroyed and that's sort of set Picard's life on a very different track from the one he was was originally on so we don't exactly know what he's doing or where he is or or any of that stuff so uh yes gonna be kind of interesting that the uh 
Actors that are joining the show, Harry Treadaway, you'll know from Mr. Mercedes. He was in that. He was in Penny Dreadful. That's probably where a lot of people know him from. He played Victor Frankenstein in Penny Dreadful. He was in the Disney feature, The Lone Ranger. He's just been filming bits for The Crown, where he's uh, playing Prince Margaret's young lover, Roddy Llewellyn. So, hmm. um, yes, yeah, been all over the place. And that's Harry Treadaway, not Luke Treadaway, who is his twin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Luke's been in a bunch of other shows but it's easy to get them confused but it's Harry that's uh, doing this uh, Alison Pill has um, just completed season one of an upcoming FX series called Devs which looks brilliant it's from Alex Garland I know her mainly from the newsroom which was the Aaron Sorkin series which was superb she was been in, in treatment she was in Scott Pilgrim Milk uh, American Horror Story Cult she popped up in Hell Caesar there's a whole bunch of, of different things but uh, she's a great actress so I'm good to see her joining the show and uh, Elsa Bronner's just wrapped the first national touring company of the uh, smash hit Hamilton so she was in that uh, she was on uh, American Crime Story Versailles as well so uh, yeah she's not got many credits to her name but uh, the interesting new addition they are joining previous announced cast members with Santiago Cabrilibe uh, Michelle Hurd who people know from uh, Blind Spot and uh, Evan and Goria as well you're kind of into Star Trek now, or certainly Star Trek Discovery. Do you, is this Get, one, there. <laughs> yeah, is this one yeah. that you're kind of intrigued by? I mean, I'm going to watch because they've got a lot of different um, Star Trek series planned now, haven't they? CBS because of the, yeah, yeah. the rights. Now, I'm going to watch all of them. It, it will it will depend which ones I uh, podcast on because it will depend when they're scheduled and what, whether some of them run together or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I'm certainly going to watch all of them. Hopefully, they're connected in like some way, maybe. Um, it would be interesting. Um, this is going to, is this, they're bringing back Patrick Stewart for the yeah, time. Yeah, right? they are bringing back yeah, Patrick Stewart. Is, is Patrick Stewart playing Picard as the age that Patrick Stewart is now? Which yeah, is, yeah. He's getting on a bit. I mean, you know, he's still fabulous and doesn't really age, but uh, yeah, he's playing it as an older person. I, I think this is going to be quite interesting. It's, yeah. it's not entirely clear whether this is going to be a one-off series or whether they're going to do more of it, but Patrick Stewart was clearly very impressed with the writing on it and um, that was what sort of drew him back to it so I'm I'm very intrigued to see what they do with it and it's going to be good having Picard back on screen again so uh, yeah yeah that's coming out on CBS All Access later this year. So even though they're only really shooting it now, their turnaround's fairly fast on it by the sounds of it. Hmm. Shooting now-ish out later this year. I think it's fairly likely Netflix will try and pick this up. I mean, it may go to a different broadcaster. I'd be but... surprised if they didn't. Yeah. Because they've, they've already got Discovery and that, and they'll, it'll be useful for them as well if they have them all on the same thing. Yeah, and, they and I, I think have... They, they have all the other Star Trek shows as well, because they've got like deep space nine i think they've got next generation on there so it sort of makes yeah, sense i've seen them floating around on there yeah so. so it's a continuation of next generation so that that sort of makes perfect sense i suspect that it will go to them and lastly eldon ehrenreich has joined the brave new world tv series um so this is the star of solo mm. he will be joining usa network's adaptation of aldous Huxley's brave new world uh brave new world obviously classic novel this adaptation comes from david wiener Grant Morrison and Brian Taylor set in, in a seemingly utopian future in society whilst there's peace and stability the people are drugged to stay happy and have a number of their freedoms removed 
removed, such as prohibition of monogamy, privacy, money, family, and history itself. Children are created and conditioned to play a specific role in society, which is split into castes. For example, if you're born as a factory worker, you're conditioned to like living in cities and have no interest in books. As the citizens of New London, Bernard Marx and Liana Crown have only ever known the rigid social order, the perfect pharmaceutical called Soma, and a culture of instant gratification and ubiquitous sex. Curiosity leads them to explore life beyond the strictures of their society, and the two New Worlders embark on a vacation to the Savage Lands, where they become embroiled in a harrowing and violent rebellion. Bernard and Liana are rescued by John the Savage, who escapes with them back to New London. And that's where sort of things start to go extremely wrong for the people of New London, and uh, John starts to disrupt things somewhat. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like Aaron Reich is going to be playing John the Savage in this series. It's a really interesting idea. I, I think they've done mini series and stuff of this. I don't know whether it's ever been kind of a full series before. I think they've only done kind of ad- smaller adaptations of it. Aaron Reich, you'll know from playing Han Solo, brilliantly playing Han Solo in Solo. Yeah, I know he Solo, was great. Yeah. I know Solo got a lot of stick, but I actually rather like that film. I still don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still not entirely sure why. I thought it was really good. And I, I mean, there are moments where he's just channeling Harrison Ford. I thought he mm. was absolutely brilliant. It started as Hobie in um, Hail Caesar as well. Um, he's done a bunch of other things, but uh, this will I, be his first role on a TV series, apparently. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of him before uh, Solo, but uh, like as soon as I saw it, like a photo of him and stuff when uh, announced casting as that, and that I thought he was a great fit for Solo. Um, I heard that they got him for like a trilogy for that, but it depends if they you know actually yeah, make them and stuff. But in terms of them. in terms of him doing things in between whatever happens with that, uh, it's good to see him get like a new TV series and stuff. And um, yeah, I'm curious to see what what else he can kind of do and, and that sort of thing. So I'll be keeping an eye on this. I think so. Uh, the people behind it, as I say, David Weiner, who wrote Homecoming, The Killing, Flesh and Bone. Grant Morrison and Brian Taylor. Grant Morrison is the legendary comic book writer. Brian Taylor are the duo behind the wonderfully, gloriously insane Happy, which mm-hmm. is a fabulous, fabulous show if you've not seen that. They're exec producing along with a couple of guys that exec produces the Americans um, for Amblin Television. So it's Amblin again. They're also going to be directed, or at least the first episode is directed by Owen Harris, who is the um, director of Black Mirror San Juperino, which was a great episode of Black Mirror as well so um, yeah. yeah it's interesting people involved with it I think don't know when that's going to come I mean it, it has been commissioned for a series I think it's 10 episodes I think they said so it has been commissioned for a series by USA Network in the US uh, which they, they run what else do they run uh, Suits was one of theirs I think and uh, yeah Mr. Robot. Uh, Mr. Robot's one of theirs as well. So they do kind of some really interesting work on USA Network. Very much looking forward to seeing that. I think it will land over here, but uh, looks really intriguing. One to look out for, don't know when, but uh, keep an eye out for that. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Next up, we have an interview. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
The interview this week is with Nina Earp, who is the editor for such shows as Insecure, the uh, HBO series, and uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend as well, which you can catch on Netflix in the UK. She's worked on a whole bunch of other shows as well. Uh, she was nominated for an Eddie Award for Insecure. She's worked on a bunch of reality shows as well, like uh, Dancing with the Stars, which is the US version of Strictly, Top Chef, which is basically MasterChef. She's already won herself one Emmy for working on HBO's Project Greenlight, which was the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck reality show about uh, creating TV series. Show. I don't think it ever actually aired over here, but really interesting to talk to her, particularly about shows which are, are you know, huge things like uh, Insecure and particularly Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which has some very interesting editorial decisions in it as well because of the fact that you're dealing with a lot of musical numbers and that sort of stuff. And uh, we, with the fact that she'd done a lot of dramas and a lot of reality TV, it was quite interesting sort of about dealing with the mixture of, of that sort of stuff. So uh, here's Nina Erb, editor on Insecure, editor on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. I was obviously looking you up a bit beforehand and your bio has has the best opening paragraph I've read of anything recently, which is says, raised in an Asian immigrant family, Nina, <laughs> Nina's father wanted her to be a doctor and her mother wanted to be a pianist with the LA Philharmonic. <laughs> Nina wanted to be Andy Warhol. So uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, have your parents got over it? And uh, how how did you end up getting into uh, film editing? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, they've gotten over it. It took them a while. It took them a while. <laughs> but, you know, they kind of realize i think at first they were like oh yeah okay we'll let her go do this for a couple of years she'll get over it it'll yeah. be out of her system she'll come back she'll go to school it'll be great yeah and then they kind of realized oh this is she's serious <laughs> she's not going back to school okay and you know fortunately they were they were supportive of course it was always like every you know holiday and every family dinner it was like <laughs> yeah. so how's it going um how much are you working you know are you freelance right. still freelance there's no staff jobs anywhere like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're always trying to convince me to like rethink everything. But, you know, I think once I got the Emmy, they kind of got over it. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah. So like, okay, I think you got this, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, it's been a crazy, crazy, you know, path. I didn't really... I went to art school because I thought I wanted to be an artist. And, um, you know, afterwards, of course, you can't really get a job because no one's going to pay you to paint or sculpt. Yeah. So <laughs> um, a friend of mine was like, hey, come work in a business. You know, you work in the art department. It'll be it'll be great. It's like you, you can get paid to do your art, but it's going to be different art. Yeah. OK, so I kind of did that. And it felt like architecture more than fine art because you're building sets, you're painting sets. And, mm. and um, it just wasn't like I love the work, but it wasn't a good fit. Right. So I kept searching. I bounced around a little bit and eventually, you know, kind of found myself working as an associate producer. And I kind of realized, wow, this is this is amazing. Like the power of editing, um, because the editor I was working with at the time, he really opened my eyes. He just showed me. I remember the first thing we we're working on was um, a cooking segment. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be so boring. Like, Who wants to watch these people cook? Right. <laughs> and he he did his magic and I was blown away. I was completely blown away and I thought, okay, this is where the stories are put together and this is where you can kind of, you know, shape a character or even destroy a character if you're not careful. Mm. Um, and so I, I was hooked. 
I was hooked. I started to learn about how to use the Avid and Final Cut Pro at the time. This was a while ago. Um, and, um, and this editor, Sven, he was so generous. He actually hired me as his assistant. So he gave me my first job. Hmm. I just kept working at it and eventually got bumped up. And I don't know, more than 15 years later, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a good way to start, though. Start low and, and work your way up through the ranks. That's, that's how you do it. So yeah. the shows you're working on at the moment or have been working on most recently, Insecure, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yes. Insecure's just got you a, a nomination for the American Cinema Editor's Eddie nomination. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. You worked on... Project Greenlight, which I don't, I don't think has ever actually aired over here, but I, I think people will be aware of it because that's the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck movie making yes. reality <laughs> thing. And that one you dare me. So that's awesome. You've done things like Dancing with the Stars, which for, for the British people listening is basically Strictly Come Dancing in the US. Top Chef, which yes. is basically Master Chef over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've done some real, ha- real husbands. I think you did a Real Housewife one as well, but you've done some real husbands of Hollywood and that sort of stuff as well. So you've got an interesting mix of kind of scripted stuff and the reality TV things. What are the different challenges of editing things like reality TV versus the the scripted stuff? Because I'm assuming the reality stuff gets kind of more footage and you're having to craft a narrative out of nothing really with that. Whereas with the scripted stuff, there is kind of the script though you've got something to follow. Yeah, you summarize it exactly. Um, I would kind of say that uh, editing nonfiction or, or reality or documentary is kind of like building a house without a blueprint yeah (laughs) you're kind of having to forge for the wood and you know you kind of like heck i think this is big enough for this part right here and and, um and you know obviously for scripted there's a script and there's team of writers that have been crafting the story and it's kind of your job to make sure that the performances um you know help tell their story and bring that bring the words to life um and the challenges of both are very very different um obviously with the nonfiction, you have to find a story out of nothing like you mentioned mm. and sometimes it may not be what's most obvious and, and other times there's just no story <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and then it's really up to you to like think okay well what's is there anything that's interesting here and can i build a story around it and would it matter to anybody else other than just me because yeah. i'm the only person that's been sitting with all this material and I feel like I know all the subjects really, really well. It's important to kind of be objective. Like for Project Greenlight, there are certain things that were so fascinating, but it would be too much, we call it here, like inside baseball because it's all about the industry. Yeah. And and it's things that I found fascinating. But then I kind of realized, you know what, this is going to be shown across the U.S. And there's a lot of people that don't know anything about what we do. So this is not going to mean anything to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was really about like finding like something that the everyday person can kind of relate to and something that will resonate with other people for nonfiction. And I always make it a point not to put words in people's mouths because that's that doesn't feel good yeah yeah no i i entirely get that because i mean with reality stuff you are kind of almost in some cases probably looking for like a villain and a hero and yeah you're still doing that with the reality tv to a certain Uh extent and it's how much you not over influencing that i guess with the editing but highlighting it without you kind of forcing a particular path on somebody that i I guess right yes yes that's exactly right that's exactly right 
yeah, you, you're, there's everybody that's watching the, the reality programmings are still expecting the same, um, you know, like you said, the villains and the heroes um, that they are used to seeing in a scripted programming. But um, but sometimes it's not very it's not readily obvious, I guess. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to to the uh, scripted stuff, I mean, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, what a wonderfully bonkers show that is. And <laughs> obviously, also has a lot of musical numbers in it. Does having the musical stuff add some additional challenges to editing? Yes, definitely. You know, from having worked on Dancing with the Stars, I was used to, you know, cutting uh, movement, dance and, and yeah. that kind of performances. Um, and I've done a couple of concert movies. So I was used to cutting music. And with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, musicals are part of Rebecca Bunch's fantasy. Yeah. And so approaching it wasn't as simple as just cutting a performance. It was like we had to establish that this we're now going to the fantasy space and then making sure that all her jokes land. Um, and so sometimes the choreography would have to take a back seat, you know, or the cool shot might have to take a back seat because right. you're not necessarily getting the meat of the joke, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it's really making sure that the jokes come out clear and they land and, and, and it's and still making it kind of entertaining too, you know, cause you do still want to see, you know, the cool moves that our amazing choreographer Cat Burns have, have put together and, and you want to see the great camera work. And so it's, it's kind of finding a balance of both. And it's a little different than, than just cutting a straight concert performance or a dance performance. So definitely added an extra layer of challenges, but, um, but I loved it. I, they were the funnest part of, of the job, you know, <laughs> cause it, the genres of the music numbers, they kind of ranged, you know, from like the fifties to like rock to Bob Fosse pieces to yeah. these com- like Disney fantasy pieces. It, it, it just, it's whatever she can dream up for that episode. And and then that was what's really fun for all of us, really, to edit, because it it kind of got you out of not a rut, but like it it, it challenged you. Yeah. You know, you get to stretch a little bit. So that, so that was a that was a wonderful thing. I loved it. Yeah, it must be great with a, a show like that that has those sort of fantasy elements, because it, it does throw things at you that that you wouldn't necessarily get to do in a straight drama or or you know even a straight comedy series like like the sort of disney-esque numbers and you it's like you're suddenly getting to work on a disney type thing and then yeah, yeah so that must be really fun yeah and i love the research that goes into it myself <laughs> <laughs> are you looking at, at things like you know disney animation and, and and that sort of stuff when it comes to doing that sort of thing yeah i am um we had uh there's two pieces i can think of and one of them um my very first uh musical number with the crazy ex-girlfriend was in season three and it was a very um large piece with many many dancers background dancers and it was a, like a bob fossey inspired musical number and so having read the script i was like oh okay i can kind of see this is i should look at chicago i should look at you know all that jazz mm-hmm. and, and really kind of just look watch those movies and seeing like how they would execute their musical numbers and um and another piece that we did was kind of um like a parody on um karaoke (laughs) videos and and this is so crazy because like Asian people love karaoke, right? But I've never actually been to a karaoke bar. I've never actually done it. Right. So I was like, okay, well, this is going to be very fascinating because I've never done this. I don't know anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, going to a karaoke place and like researching the karaoke videos was fascinating to me. It's like, it's so interesting how the the images never match the lyrics. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) 
And so that was that was like such valuable information because I would not have guessed that. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's fabulous. So, yeah. <laughs> Moving on to to something like Insecure, which mm-hmm. um, you, I'm right in thinking you didn't join that until the third season. Right. Just joining a show later that all, already has an, a sort of established look and style and maybe uh, you know way that it's been edited, does, does joining that make it kind of easier or harder or just make no difference at all? Are you following somebody's kind of path or... Did they bring you in because they wanted it changing up somewhat? <laughs> um, it's for me, it was added pressure because I always feel like you can be a fan of the show, you can watch it a lot, but you don't really know all the little secrets and intricacies until yeah. you're actually there. Um, and so, even though I had been a fan of the show since the beginning, I, I just remember that this don't pretend like you know everything because you're not going to know until you're really there. Um, and once I got there, I I, um, there's another editor there who had been there since the pilot, uh, Mark Sadlick, and he was a wealth of information. Right. If I ever had a question like, okay, so this is shot a particular way, like how often do I use this and what does it mean to them? You know, and, and he would explain all the different, um, types of, um, visual language that they had for the show. Um, and it was really great to, to kind of have that as support. Um, and I was fortunate enough actually to get an episode that was completely out of the insecure language. And I remember thinking, well, this is going to be interesting. Like, how do I approach this? And I ended up cutting two different versions for this episode. Um, the one that was, uh, that received the ACE nomination, actually, right. if you did it when the same language of the show, like for the social media graphics, when Issa was stalking Nathan, cause he ghosted her. So she was like, okay, why is he ignoring me? What's happening? So she kept looking on his Instagram and refreshing the pages. And if I was to stick to the language of the show, it, the graphic would be shown next to her on the screen. Right. Yeah. So it'd be like, yeah, a little element up on the corner. But then for this one, I kept thinking, you know, I can do that. And I know this is what they're expecting to see. And it's, a style that they've established, but it doesn't make me really connect with her in that moment. Mm. And I, I just thought, okay, well, what if we made that graphic, turn that into her POV and it would be full screen. And so I would always start with it on the corner. So, you know what she's looking at. Right. And then, you know, you look at her and then you look at what she's looking at, like full screen, the Instagram page, and you can see that it's refreshing and you can see that pictures of new pictures are showing up and it's, you see her reacting to it. And I just, felt that that really put the viewer more in her shoes yeah and, yeah and then i just felt like you know for this episode because so much of it played out in her head i just felt it was important for people to really understood like why she was obsessing over this guy ghosting her instead of just thinking that she was just going crazy you know because <laughs> yeah. it's i mean i think it's you know it's understandable every one of us has wondered like well had a great date and like okay why is this person ignoring me now what's happening you know yeah, yeah. So it was trying to make sure that that resonated with people so that they can kind of experience what she was experiencing in the episode. And that was a complete departure from their style. And and Prentice, Penny, our showrunner, they loved it. They were very supportive of the idea. And, and I was so glad because <laughs> that would have been really bad if they weren't supportive of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a very big creative side to editing, which I don't think always comes across to some people, people when you're talking yeah. about it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Because you're not supposed to see editing. It's yeah. just supposed to make you feel. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
Yeah. Is there one particular sequence that you've done across your your career? Is there one thing that you really really proud of? Mm, um, in addition to Obsessed Like the episode we just talked about yeah. with the graphics, um, another episode Fresh Like is really really special to me. Um, it's the episode where Issa runs into Nathan at Worldwide Tacos, and then she decides to kind of because he's from Texas and so she's like oh let me show you LA and she's taking him all throughout South LA and when my family and I immigrated here from Asia we settled in Ladera and I went to school in Inglewood right you know so that whole neighborhood has been very very special to me um so it was it was great to see it portrayed in such a positive light because you know a lot of people think oh South LA that's yeah. where the hood is you yeah. know <laughs> Exactly. But it's, yeah. it's not. It's like there's these great little neighborhoods with these wonderful bookstores and, and just the people are lovely. And and it was great for her to kind of take him through Lamar Park and the jungles and, you know, to her kind of childhood home in, in the story, not her in real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, that was just really special to me for personal reason. But also it was a nice challenge for me, too, to make sure story wise that their connection, their chemistry comes through and also at the same time allow the viewers to kind of experience the neighborhoods and for that I didn't play it very close I, I kind of kept it on a looser two shot and I wanted to make sure that I used as few cuts as possible and I'm not even sure what inspired me to do that. I think I just decided, you know, I think this is just how it's going to go. I want to see because they were they were so great together, too. I was like, I want people to see what what's happening between them, almost like they're going on a walk with them. And so to see them interact unedited it was kind of a bold choice because, you know, most comedies, you you want to control the pacing. Yeah. By yeah. cutting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, but I really felt that if the, the more cuts I made, like the less of the background you get to see. And then I also, I mean, it would be manipulating like, you know, their interaction, which I'm, I'm sure would have been fine too, but I just wanted to keep it a little more pure. And so my challenge to myself for that was just to make it like, see how few edits I can make in that episode. And I think that turned out well. I think, I think the episode was really well received. I mean, the network loved it. And, and I think um, our producers also enjoyed it quite yeah. a bit. So that's yeah. good. It's, it's interesting. Is there a particular fact about your job that you think might surprise some people? Mm, that's a very interesting question. A fact about my job. I would say that the job is more similar to being like a therapist or a counselor <laughs> than people realize. <laughs> really? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like because you know, producers and directors, I mean, being on set and shooting, it's exhausting. You know, they have long days. There's always fires to be put out, lots of drama on set. And then when they come into the editing room, I like to keep it really calm because they, mm -hmm. they just came out of all this chaos. It's like this should be a calm space. It should be a safe space where they feel like they can really explore their options creatively. Yeah. Um, and so and, and oftentimes, you know, they they really will share their concerns with certain takes and certain issues. And then they're always relieved to see that it's, it's not really a problem. Right. And so, <laughs> and so I find that, you know, there's a big part of the job is, is kind of being a cheerleader, being a confidant. And I didn't realize that would be the case when I got into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just reminded me, uh, cause I, I watched a lot of the behind the scenes. In fact, I watched all of the behind the scenes stuff for uh, the Lord of the Rings movies when those came out. And there's so many shots of Peter Jackson lying on 
on the couch in the editing room like a therapist's <laughs> office. Yes, yeah. So when they're editing, I'm like, yeah. So yes, I see exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's like they can come in here and relax and just play. You know, it, it's it's. I think it's. I like to think that that's a good thing for them too. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. <laughs> so last few questions, then. What are you doing next? Have you got anything you? can talk about i know insecure apparently is not coming back until like 2020 and then crazy ex-girlfriend is finished now isn't it it's got yeah so you've you've got those both gone so where uh, have you got anything else you can talk about uh yeah i'm uh, on a pilot right now that's uh, created by jessica gal and the showrunner is larry wilmore they are fantastic and and this is a it's a half-hour comedy that's kind of based on jessica's life and it's it's, it's very similar to Crazy Rich Asians, but it's not that, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, how do I, I'm not summarizing it right, but it's, it, it was really exciting to me because the, the script was incredibly well written and it's not often that I get to work on a project where the entire cast is Asian. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And it's the fun. The stories are just amazing. I mean, it's Jessica's had such an incredible, incredible life with her family, <laughs> and I think she's having a great time putting her family on blast too. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, and, and I think right now the network is pretty excited about. It. There's been a lot of talk about it in the press, and we're gonna see if it gets picked up. And then after this, I'm going to Little America. Um, I think that's what it's still called. Uh, last time I was in the press, it was called that. It's for Apple. And the producers oh. are um, producers are Emily Gordon, Kumal Nagiani, and yeah. Alan Yang. Yeah, I really like and the look of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should be interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's based off of a collection of essays on Epic Magazine, I think, um, right. about the immigrant experience, and so that should be fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks wonderful. That I'm re I'm really excited to see that one, and it looks like Apple's going to be launching internationally as well. So we will actually get to see that at the same time, hopefully. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that seems to be what they're planning. So, uh, so I hope that will be the case. So, last last couple of questions. Uh -huh. The first question is: What TV shows are you watching at the moment? Oh, right now, Game of Thrones, definitely. Yes, of course. <laughs> Game of Thrones, um, Atypical is another one that I love. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for Big Little Lies to come back. Yes. Um, and you know, I'm loving Veep and Barry and Atlanta and <laughs> um, and I quite enjoyed Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah. That was an yeah. amazing series. We interviewed some of the cast from that. They're wonderful as well. But uh, Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a, visually, it's just stunning. And yeah. it just kept me on my seat every every episode. So I, I loved it. And uh, last question. If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, which show would it be? And it's not can't be one you've worked on. Hmm. I would say if I can go back in time, I would have loved to work on The Sopranos. Right. Yeah. And in the future, I, I would love to work with Reese Witherspoon. I mean, whatever oh, cool. she's doing is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like if I could work on Big Little Lies, that would be amazing. But then she's also got this um, another limited series right now called um, Little Fires Everywhere. Um, ah. I love the book. Um, I think I'm not even sure if, if they're in production or if they plan to go on production anytime soon. But that's a um, yeah, that was one that I would have really, really loved to uh, be a part of. She's got an Apple show coming as well. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the morning show, which is which looks really fun. Right. <laughs> Since you're, you're kind of doing one Apple show, maybe you can kind of hop across and <laughs> jump on <laughs> exactly. the other one. <laughs> 
Oh, that would be amazing, right? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for spending a bit of time to uh, talk through your stuff. It's been really fun. Oh, yeah, you've been great. It's been really lovely to chat. Um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing Little America particularly. I think that should be a great show and um, got some episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend to catch up on as well. So uh, I will be looking forward to that. And Insecure's, as I say, Insecure's not back until like 2020, but uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it'd be great to have that back as well. So Yes. <laughs> I know the fans are very upset. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah, oh, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah. So crafting quality takes time. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, have, a, have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you so much. Talk to you again. Bye. Bye-bye. So that was the interview with Nina Herb. Uh, insecure, as I think we said in the interview, unfortunately he's not back until 2020, but uh, previous seasons might be on, on Sky On Demand. You might be able to go and find them on there. They'll be on there at some point, probably. Yeah, guess, they might not yeah. be there there right now, but they will be floating around on Sky On Demand at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, of course, you can get on Netflix. So go and check that out on there. On to some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So highlights for next week. Uh, not many things coming back because we're in that sort of post-Easter bit. Looming Tower, which is the miniseries which um, stars Jeff Daniels and pieces Skarsgård, which is drama that traces the rising threat of Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda in the late 90s and how the rivalry between the FBI and the CIA during that time may have inadvertently set the path for 9-11. It's a really powerful, really interesting series. It is actually all already up up on Amazon Prime but if you don't have Amazon Prime really really worth going to watch uh, BBC2 on 26th of April at 9.30pm that is arriving that's the Looming Tower Jamestown third and final season of that coming to Sky One on the 26th of April at 9pm continuation of of the uh, Sky One drama about setting Jamestown in the sort of early settlers of America. I've seen a couple of episodes of this and quite enjoyed it. Again, it's another thing that goes back onto my list of things that <laughs> I really need to go back and watch. When the DC, when the five, is it five DC shows? Yeah. When they all kind of go off the air, like the end of May, yeah. when they are on breaks and stuff, that's when I kind of go to this other list sort of yeah. TV because it just I, saves a bunch more time. I'm exactly so, the same. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. There is stuff that I end up catching up on over the summer when some of the DC stuff goes off there. It's a good idea. Bletchley Circle. San Francisco which is the sort of spin-off from the original Bletchley Circle series set in San Francisco this one season two of that arrives on the 26th of April at 9pm and there's a lot of stuff on the 26th actually Chambers season one of that comes to Netflix on the 26th of April as well a young heart attack survivor becomes consumed by mysteries that surrounds the heart that saved his life looks kind of interesting that one but uh, 26th of April for that on Netflix called Chambers and The Sun season two and the final season of the uh, Piers Brosnan Western comes to AMC Global for the seven people that own that channel in uh, 30th <laughs> I, w- I wonder how many people do own yeah I've been facetious yeah. I don't know I mean there probably is quite a lot of people that own it because they own uh, BT Sport and yeah, get it and for free big, so, so it's, it's a case of I don't know how many people own it compared to how many people watch it of course but uh, AMC Global that's coming on the 30th of April at 9pm for that and then there's also uh, Avengers 
Endgame. On yes, Thursday. and Thursday, so. of course, there is Avengers Endgame, which uh, I w- I'm going to try and get out and see it on Thursday as well, I think. So yeah. uh, lots and lots of, of uh, things to still catch up on for me. But uh, yes, I will be going to watch Endgame. We, of course, can be back for the Game of Thrones podcast on Wednesday, which you can go and find over at Entertainment Talk. You'll find me and Matt doing Game of Thrones weekly over on entertainmenttalk.org. Go and check that out. So you can also find Matt on Twitter at eTalkUK. And then, yeah, getting get involved with the content that we got. We've got a lot of uh, cool stuff coming out. And uh, Classic Reviews Season 2 is coming out soon. So, cool. Which is uh, entirely under my control. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go and see Matt watch movies that he calls classic and were all part of my childhood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, for us, obviously, you can go to uh, geektown.co.uk throughout the week. As I say, keep an eye on the, the site for the next few weeks because it is particularly going to be a bunch of renewals and cancellations and uh, all that stuff coming out over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.